welcome everyone back to the Dairy Science Digest. And this month, we're going to navigate a little bit away from production practices and talk more about consumers and their understanding of our products. Because I think better understanding how consumers view the image of our industry will help us be better advocates and perhaps sell more dairy products. So today we're joined by Laurel Redding uh, from the University of Pennsylvania, the School of Veterinary Medicine. She is the lead author for the article that we're gonna highlight today in the Journal of Dairy Science in Press titled, Educational Interventions to Address Misconceptions about Antibiotic Residues in the Milk and How It Can Alter Consumer Perceptions and May Affect Purchasing Habits. So Dr. Redding, welcome. And could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, my name is Laurel Redding. I'm an assistant professor of epidemiology at the University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine. And I worked on this project with some of our dairy extension um, folk at Penn. And we, uh, we just really had a great time doing it. And I'm happy to talk to you about it. Wonderful. And it was great to see it in the Journal of Dairy Science and Press. Tell us a little bit about what made you interested in, in researching this particular topic. Yeah, so one of my areas of interest is in research is antibiotic use in veterinary medicine and food animal production. And one of the things I think that the United States food production system and dairy producers in general should be really proud about is just the safety of our food products. Um, and I went, I did my dissertation work in um in South America. And, um, you know, I was studying, I was working on dairy farms there and, and studying the, the safety of the, the food products there. And um, uh, antibiotic residues were a huge issue. And uh, when I went, went to vet school and I learned about the uh, processes that are in place so that we don't wind up with antibiotic residues in our milk, I just thought that was so amazing. And you know, myself as a consumer, I had no idea that that process happened. I suspected that a large number of consumers don't know about that process either. And so this was a study to really just go out there and, and, and talk with consumers and find out what they know about how milk is produced, specifically with regards to antibiotic residues. Um, and once we knew what they, what they knew uh, or didn't know, could we develop some sort of educational interventions to convey how safe our dairy products are and that they are free of antibiotic residues all the time, no matter what is used on the farm. So that was, that was really the impetus for the study. Absolutely. And so you did a little bit of open-ending questions to, to guide the survey. Could you tell us a little bit about the survey and how you rolled that out? Yeah. So, I mean, first, before we even did the big survey, we did a pilot survey with a small number of consumers and really just very open-ended questions like, tell us what your perceptions are about dairy products in the United States. You know, give us words on a label that would make you want to purchase this product or not want to purchase this product. Um, and, you know, from that small group of consumers, we, we kind of got some broad general ideas about what consumers perceive um, with regards to dairy products specifically. And then we elaborated this greater survey. Um, and the, the original intent of this project was to actually go to, you know, farmers markets and grocery stores and all kinds of uh, points of purchase and actually COVID. Um, in interview in person <laughs> and then COVID <laughs> happened and we couldn't do that. But it ended up working well because um, we, we used, ended up using this survey platform um, that's part of Amazon. 
Um, and we were able to recruit almost a thousand participants to participate in the study, which was way more we could have ever done in person. Right, so, right. That, that lemonade out of all these lemons, the silver lining, looking at the map across the United States, you got so many people from all different walks of life. I was a little bit surprised to see that maybe men represented this uh, demographic a little bit more than women, which surprised me a little bit, but we still saw some significant results. So First and foremost, I was really excited to hear that 86.1% thought milk was good, you know, just in general. It's a, and do you want to talk a little more? What, what's the first thing that you want to highlight to the producers that are listening about, about your research? What'd you learn? Yeah, I mean, we were, we were so pleased to find out too, that uh, a lot of the consumers generally thought that milk was safe and of good quality in the United States. It was a quite a high number. And, you know, when specifically asked about um, concerns about uh, chemicals in, in milk. And so, you know, again, our focus was antibiotics and antibiotic residues and but more broadly safety in general. But, you know, when it was when it came down to asking them if they had any concerns uh, specifically about chemicals, um, there was a, the majority were, were not concerned or minimally concerned. So that was great. And, uh, you know, when we specifically asked like what on a label would was most important to a consumer in terms of purchasing a dairy product. It was things like milk fat level, you know, low fat versus high fat. Um, you know, there was some interest in where, where it came from, like locally produced, uh, you know, obviously some consumers wanted organic versus non, but by and large, the biggest group was the milk fat percentage and not, you know, organic or antibiotic free and that sort of thing. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting that that was, you know, that was the, the, the primary interest of consumers. Absolutely. Is the composition of the milk. And, and so then these consumers, almost a thousand of them were either going to read something from USDA. And then could you tell us what your other two, two treatments were? Yeah, so the idea was to see, this was a, a randomized controlled trial where we assigned participants you know, randomly to either read just like a control website page, which was the, the USDA dairy website, the myplate.gov, which just has general information about dairy. That was the control group. And then we had two treatment assignments. One was reading a brochure that we created that just kind of shows the process that milk goes through from the farm to the grocery store and specifically, you know, highlighting the um, antibiotic residue avoidance processes. And the third arm was a video that we created on the same topic. And this video involved uh, an interview with a veterinarian and a dairy producer who kind of just talked about the, the overall system in place to make sure that uh, our, our milk and our dairy products are safe. And then um, the idea was after these partic survey participants engaged with this material, we asked them similar questions as we had asked before. Um, so particularly related to how, what's your level of concern about uh, chemicals in the milk? And then we also had a few questions about how comfortable they feel um, purchasing conventionally produced milk versus organically produced milk. And uh, we found that there was a significant difference. Um, people in the control group generally did not have any change in the level of concern, whereas people who read the brochure or who watched the video, they generally noted being less concerned 
about chemicals in the milk after they engaged with this educational material. And same deal with the, the purchasing habits. You know, they, they reported that most of them reported no change, but there was a small, a small but significant effect of the brochure and the video showing that um, consumers after viewing this material would be more comfortable purchasing conventionally produced products. And so that just goes to show that these interventions are effective at at least changing consumers' knowledge of what goes on, what goes happens to the dairy products and potentially their purchasing habits. It's really great. I, I want to focus a little more on the, the video side of things. And I'll, of course, put a link to, to the video here on the podcast webpage and uh, in the podcast notes. I wanted to talk specifically about it. Um, the The person being interviewed was standing in front of a group of calves, and we we all love dairy calves. And then talked a little more about a personal experience having had treated an animal, and then that animal uh, getting milked in the tank, and what the process was, and how that that milk was dumped, and they knew that it was there because of all the testing, and it was a very comprehensive, real life example of what happens every day. And we all know that uh, that's listening here on the podcast. We know that 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 milk callers come in taking the sample and and that gets analyzed. And uh, I just I thought it was interesting to share or disclose a um, a real event and um, and be a little raw and vulnerable with those listening. And the result was improved understanding and being in that level of transparency appeared to allow those consumers to have an educated, excuse me, allowed those consumers to have an educated understanding of what our industry does every day. Um, and so do you have any comments about what, what made you develop the, the video in that way? Yeah, I mean, there's there's been a lot of research that shows that one of the most effective ways to, to persuade is with personal experience um, and stories. And so, you know, you can show consumers graphs and you can show them test results and all this stuff, but nothing is really going to impact so much as a personal vulnerable story. And so we really want to make this educational material as persuasive as possible. And so for that reason, we really just want to incorporate this personal experience into it. And Dr. Joe Bender, the veterinarian and dairy producer who was interviewed, um, you know, he had told me that story a couple of years ago, and it just, it really stuck in my mind. And, and I, you know, when I, when it came time to thinking about what can we share with consumers to make them really understand this process and how good it is and how effective it is, you know, that story just stuck in my mind and I kept coming back to it. And I'm like, well, why don't we tell your story, Joe? Mm -hmm. And Joe was like, sure, I think that's a great idea. And so, you know, that story and, 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 you know, some of the consumers actually noted in their survey, you know, that, that, that story was really compelling. Very powerful. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's important for the listeners to also understand that it was only about, it was less than three minutes in length. So two yeah. minutes and some change. And then you were estimating that the brochure maybe took about a minute to read. Um, and so we need to be concise and, and capture those, those consumers attention, get the message said, and then be done. And so is that video available for sharing? Do you, do you mind us sharing it broadly? 
please share as broadly as you can. I want this to get out to as many consumers as possible, as many dairy producers who might want to use it as a tool. It is free and open access. Use the link and share it as much as possible. Fabulous. Very good. And I know as as I've talked to some of our, well, specifically Midwest Dairy has taught me about the, the movable middle consumer, where you've got uh, a few here on one end that just... Uh, that are are full supporters of dairy. And then you got a few over here on the other end that maybe you'll never convince, you know, but that movable middle guys, I think you've got the opportunity in a matter of two minutes, really changing some of the potentially changing the purchasing habits of, of these consumers. So in addition to the chemical composition in, in the milk, or in addition to antibiotics in the milk, could you speak to some of the other possible categories of concern that you shook out of the data set? Sure. The the main other concern that people had was the treatment of animals, um, welfare of dairy cows. And, you know, there were a lot of perceptions that, you know, these are animals that are being pumped full of hormones and antibiotics and, you know, their babies are being ripped from them and, you know, all these horrible things you know, we can nuance and show that, you know, there's a reason why we do these things um, and that, you know, we don't always do these things um, and that for the most part, a dairy producer wants as healthy and as a happy cow as possible. And, you know, I, I don't know the best way to do that. Um, but again, you know, maybe it involves having people visit dairy farms, the the cameras, you know, that have uh, on dairy farms, I know that this is a big, potentially sensitive issue. You know, we know all about those, you know, the, um, the PETA people who go undercover and take videos. And that's a really scary thing to think about. Um, but unfortunately, you know, they're the ones controlling the narrative for our consumers. And so anything farmers can do to really you know, demonstrate that these animals are, are well taken care of, they're, you know, they're not just, um, you know, being abused or mistreated is going to be a, a bonus for consumers. Very good. So I guess if, if you were to distill it down, you've, you've got the ears of dairy producers. So what should the boots on the ground dairy producers know about or distill from your research so that when they can take it to their local grocery and take their farm to the consumer, what, what should they know? Like, what's the, the big ticket? Well, I think dairy producers can give themselves a lot of credit in knowing that uh, a lot of consumers think that their products are of good quality and safe. I think that's the number one thing. Uh, number two thing is that, you know, a lot of consumers just don't know about the processes out there. And so, you know, maybe talking to your grocery store uh, liaison, maybe, you know, if you have any interactions with the public, maybe just make sure to to kind of, you know, demonstrate or, you know, just reiterate that, you uh, there's a lot of work that goes into making our dairy products safe to consume. Another thing that might be um, useful is to realize that uh, labels are not that important to consumers. Um, a lot of consumers we interviewed said they didn't really pay attention to what was on the label. And those that did cared more about the composition of the milk, the milk fat percentage, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, if you don't have that organic label, it's not a big deal, apparently, to a lot of consumers. Hmm. I just... I think this is fascinating. And Dr. Redding, this has been very informative. And I, I want to thank you for your time. And listeners, I applaud you for taking time out of your day today to learn about educating your consumers and about the industry that we love. 
I've really enjoyed the conversation. And this has been the September edition of Dairy Science Digest, which is a monthly podcast designed to bring the Journal of Dairy Science straight to your ears. We highlight peer-reviewed research articles and press, and this is sound science to base your management decisions around provided by your University of Missouri Dairy Team. So be sure to like, share, and subscribe to get future editions straight to your cell phone. This is Reagan Bluell with Dairy Science Digest, and I hope you have a great day.